Hey there, hi there, ho there, my fiends. You are just in time for another episode of The Gnome Chapters. And it is my absolute pleasure to present to you Chapter 5 of Something Dramatic This Way Comes. Now, unfortunately, I will be dropping the participation part of my podcast in favor of the more traditional methods of storytelling. It's okay, it wasn't that popular anyway. I will also be starting a new chapter one next episode, with a story that I have already completed, which is one of the reasons for me dropping the audience participation part of the podcast. Another reason for me to do that, however, is that I am currently working on a new project. It's kind of small, but it'll take some time for me to do, and I think it's going to be exciting. Being able to take the time that I would have used to just flat out write an entire episode for y'all and instead use that time on my new project will make it a lot easier for me to complete more of it more quickly. It's a little movie about having to endure the complete collapse of the economy which leads to an almost total shutdown of the world government at large, all while trying to survive in this post-apocalyptic landscape, trying to dodge military recruiters, trying to stay sane, and trying to just find a peaceful place to sleep for full eight hours without being interrupted by zombies. I, I probably should have led with the zombies. There, there are zombies in this too. That's happening. (laughs) So, um, if y'all would like a very small sneak peek into what I've got going on, you can follow my Instagram for sporadic updates at hello.im.gnome. You can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash helloimgnome for $1 a month. This also includes some exclusive sound bites access to the Discord chat, and spicy episodes of all of the stories that will occur on the Gnome Chapters podcast. You can also follow my TikTok at hello.im.gnome as well. I, I, I like continuity, as you can see. All of these links can be found in the description of this podcast, and I hope to see you at one of those, or possibly all three. Lastly, but not leastly, This episode contains trigger warnings, as there are allusions to sexual assault, allusions to physical assault, descriptions of abuse, depictions of death, uh, mentions of psychological effects of PTSD. This episode's kind of a doozy, y'all. So if you're uncomfortable with any of those triggers, just please skip this episode. And now... Without any further ado, whatsoever, settle in with your tea, grab your next batch of work, sit back, and enjoy Chapter 5 of Something Dramatic This Way Comes. Mirror, mirror, bitch. The room was still dark when Bertie awoke. 
His dreams had been harsh and frightening, with flames erupting all around him and he himself being hauled up by his tiny arm and dragged toward them. He tried to cry out for his parents, but only sobbing, small pleas escaped him. He tried to pull away from the clunking pile of armor that held him hostage, tried to kick and wriggle himself free, but the grip was like stone. They finally stopped in front of a huge bonfire, and Bertie felt himself being lifted. Suddenly, he didn't want those assaulting hands gone from him. He screamed as he felt himself launched into the air and grunted as he landed on a cold, hard, wooden surface with a thud. Bertie had wrestled himself out of the covers and onto the floor. When he opened his eyes, he saw that there was nothing to be afraid of here. He shakily stood himself up, dragging the covers with him and wrapping them around himself like a cape. The room was cold. The fire in the small hearth had gone out. <laughs> I should get more wood for that, Bertie decided shakily and fled. Out in the dark corridor, Bertie could hear the loud snores of the drunken queen in the room next door and poked his head in to check in on her. She slept, hair covering most of her face, and he grimaced as she breathed some of it in subsequently coughing and wiping it out of her mouth. Her fire crackled merrily enough, and the warm air breezed out from the room past his face. He shut the door. At least she would be warm enough. Continuing his journey down the stairs led him through the empty tavern, and as he passed the darkened bar, he jumped when a hand shot out and grasped his arm. It's just me, Bertie. It's just me came a deep, familiar voice. Dang! Bertie gasped. He clutched his chest, trying to soothe his heart as it raced from the scare. You're gonna kill me, startling me like that, he said. My apologies, Day said, and lit a candle. He looked tired, but striking. In the candlelight, his face seemed so much more severe and angular. Why don't you sit with me a moment, he said gently. Bertie sat. Silence stretched out around the two, and Bertie shivered. It was cold here, too. So, you couldn't sleep either? Bertie asked, trying to break the silence. I... Someone was having a nightmare, Day sighed and rested his chin on his hand. Bertie thought immediately of the small girl he had seen Day playing with that one day, but he couldn't remember her name. Day fiddled with a cup of light tea that steamed in the dark in front of him, and his voice conquered Bertie's thoughts once more. Would you like some? he offered, breaking Bertie out of his reverie. It's soothing after a poor night. Ah, uh, sure. Thanks, Bertie said. And Day rose to make the tea, lighting more candles along the way so the two could see each other more clearly. When the tea was finished brewing, he set it on the bar in front of Bertie, 
taking the opportunity to really study him. What's this, then? he asked, taking Bertie's chin in his hand and lifting it so that he could look at the bruises there. Who'd you fight with? Bertie forced out a laugh. He tried not to think about Prince Lovebert and how he held him hard by the arms to keep Bertie from backing away as Lethbert yelled his complaints and insults at him. The prince, Bertie admitted. Apparently he doesn't like jokes. Can you imagine being so boring? He said. Mm, must hurt, Day shrugged. Bertie took his chin out of Day's comparatively gentle hands uncomfortable with how closely those serious gray eyes were scrutinizing him, and he chuckled nervously. <laughs> I can't even feel it, Bertie said, and turned away. He was trying now to ignore how fast his heart was beating. Those eyes were something else. Mm-hmm, came a non-committal grunt from Day. <laughs> For truth's sake, I've had worse done to me. Bertie insisted, but he still wouldn't meet Day's eyes. Mm-hmm, came another grunt. Bertie glanced in Day's direction now, shrinking a little under that disapproving glare he was receiving. Bertie didn't like the feeling of being judged. I'm fine, Day. Please, stop looking at me like that. It's going to get poofy, Day said, not moving. Bertie glared back at Day. So it will. What's your point? he asked. The two stared at each other for a while until Day sighed and dropped his arms. Fine, he shrugged and went off to stoke the fire back to life again. After an awkward hour of small chit-chat, Bertie was beginning to feel warm again, and he shed his blanket cloak and tried to lean his cheek on his hand. He winced, though, having leaned to the wrong way, and switched sides with a huff. All right, that's it, Day said suddenly, and Bertie gave a startled cry as his arm was grabbed and Day pulled him close. Day, what the hell? You're coming with me and that's final. All right, Deneen. What? Why? Bertie, I can't watch you say you're fine when he can't even touch your own face without wincing. Day stroked the bruise on Bertie's face softly in comparison to his gruff tone and harsh words, and then led him back to his own quarters to tend to him there. There was nothing more terrifying, Bertie found, than the prince. If Lethbert was a color, he surmised it would be a deep red. Jokes were not laughed at, nor were they taken with any sort of amusement. Juggling and acrobatic tricks, which Bertie had been practicing regularly since the beginning of his employment with King Harbeth, were surveyed with an angry and resentful eye, and swatted down as quickly as an annoying fly. Bertie hadn't thought this task would be so bad at first. After all, his king had had such faith in him when volunteering Bertie for this. But as the days went on and the prince began to demand new and strange things of him, like balancing a tray full of hot tea on his head, or wearing bells on his wrists and ankles while he was in the room, Bertie found himself longing for some sort of release. The night he had drunk with the queen, they had demanded an explanation from him for all the marks on his body, and Bertie couldn't help but feel that 
he was in trouble for some reason. He'd given the man a short explanation to appease him, and then escaped to his own room for the evening. But the nightmares he'd had, the comfort he'd sought afterwards, those weighed on him. Not that day hadn't been accommodating. The big man had been, and most skillfully so. And it had made for a peaceful night's rest, to be sure. But that vulnerability... That wasn't something Bertie was used to ever showing. He smiled to himself a bit, whisking his way through the kitchens that morning, stealing a piece of bacon from Aglin's mouth playfully, and then gliding away, off to his task for the day, keeping the prince company. It had been two and a half weeks. Just about one more to go. Bertie entered the dark chambers after softly knocking. He bore the breakfast tray again, and as the repugnant Prince Luthbert seemed to still be asleep, Bertie set it on the table quietly and began to set out the different parts. Strong black tea to the left, plain ham and porridge directly in front, plain roasted vegetables in their own bowl to the right. There was a spoon and a two-pronged fork provided, however, the prince never used them. Bertie knew that the prince would just scoff at them, and then slurp at the bowl messily, sparing vegetables with his personal dagger. He stashed the two utensils in his jacket pocket, as he always did, and then passed by the prince's sleeping head to stoke the fire back to liveliness. As he crouched by the flames and added a couple more logs to the sluggish conflagration, Bertie heard the stirring of blankets behind him. The prince was awake. To Bertie's immense relief early on, Prince Luthbert's personal attendant helped him to dress every day. So, until he had some clothes on, at least, Bertie was free from his pre-accusatory stare. The one which knows Bertie hasn't done anything wrong yet, but knows it'll happen sooner or later. Bertie stacked the logs for the fire. Then he swept the ash from the apron of the fireplace and dumped it all into the covered little bucket at the side of the large hearth. He was straightening the mantle when Prince Luthbert called him lightly. Boy, come. Ah, <sighs> music to my fucking ears, Bertie thought and went. Yes, my prince. You're a jester, am I correct? Yes, my prince. Good. I seek entertainment. Bertie shuddered as the words floated through the air at him like a noxious miasma. He remembered the last time the prince had wanted to be amused. Gods, he hated bells. Bertie waited on the prince. The prince cleared his throat. Bertie shifted, internally cringing and knowing what he had forgotten. Yes, my prince, he said. It seemed like the only thing he said these days. Thankfully, the prince just began to eat. Tell me a story, he ordered, slurping his porridge and ham. Yes, my prince. Bertie replied before his brain had fully processed the request. A story. About what? 
He thought for just a moment before Lethbert cleared his throat again, demanding him to speak, and hastily, Bertie began with the first words he could think of. Ah, once there was a flower. Um, it was small, but it was lovely. And it lived in a field full of its kin. They... They were happy this way. Bertie waited until the prince had resumed eating, knowing that that was his signal that he was safe to continue. As the dagger in the prince's hand lifted a roasted potato to his mouth slowly, Bertie continued. The flower had lived with its family in the field for many, many years. Every snow they slept, dreaming of butterflies and bees. And every melt they awoke, anticipating the sunshine and the warmth of the days to come. Every new year they were visited and greeted warmly by their dear friend, the wind. The wind brought them scents and sounds, stories of exotic lands, new seeds so more family could grow and news of the sky and the sea and the land outside of the flower's little meadow. The flowers would always listen eagerly, their petals trembling with excitement, and their tiny heads dancing as the wind fluffed them about cheerfully. One flower in particular enjoyed the wind's stories. It would always listen eagerly, letting the wind fill its mind with far-off places, and tales of great expanses of water and sand, things that the little flower could hardly imagine, even with the vivid descriptions that the wind provided. As the flower prepared to fall asleep before the snow, the winds picked up as they did every year. The flower saw its friend chatting with others of its ilk, taking leaves off of the trees in the process. The flower watched them dance in the air and chanted until it could not hold itself back any longer. Wait, wind, it cried out, straining and reaching with its leaves. Please, wind, take me with you. The wind had been leaving the small field, preparing for its travels as the snow flurried in. It heard the flower, however, and turned back. Why? asked the wind. Why do you wish to come with me? The flower was still reaching with its small stem and leaves as far as they could extend. I want... I want to see faraway places, like you do. I want to breathe in more of the scents you bring with you every year, and to see what you see. Please, wind... Wind looked down at the flower and sighed, softly stirring the plants that slept around it. You'll die if I take you from your field, flower, the wind said sadly. It liked the flower. It wanted the flower to always be in this field, safe and sound, ready to greet the wind when it came back with warm air to melt the snow. I'll die here too, wind. Life is a limited thing. Everything dies. 
I want to live before then, the flower said. The wind sighed again, and the flower waited patiently for its answer. All right, flower, the wind said, and scooped it up, pulling the little flower away from its roots and taking it into the sky. The adventures along the way were almost too much for the little flower to handle. It met men and women, cacti and fish, even a wall that had been driven down to dust by the wind itself. As the two floated through the sky, they talked with each other, getting to know each other and to like each other very much. I love you, flower, the wind said one day. The little flower smiled and replied in kind. I love you too, wind. How does the flower even love the wind? Prince Lothbert asked suddenly. His meal was done, and he had turned to face Bertie as he told his tale. The flower and the wind aren't even cognizant creatures. They can't feel anything. Bertie was more than taken aback, and simply stood there dumbly as the prince rose and came towards him. He stalled his instincts to move away. The prince had previously made his feelings very clear on any attempts at escape. Show me. The prince took Bertie by the shoulder and held him steady. How the flower loves the wind. Prince Lothbert burst into the king's chambers, angry and yelling. The king's personal guard burst in behind him, making sure that their king was unharmed and Harbeth simply waved them away and excused himself from the meeting. Leslie, dear, he said to his queen, you know everything I do. Would you mind terribly, my love? Oh, not at all, sweet. King Harbeth nodded, confident that she'd give him the notes of the meeting during dinner. Then he ushered his brother out of his chambers. Luthi, what's got your goat, brother? Harbeth asked. Call me that, brother, Lethbert hissed. That jester you sent to attend me. It's been two days. Where is he? What do you mean? He hasn't been here, Luthi. Don't call me that. Harbeth rolled his eyes. Fine, I apologize, Lothbert. Either way, he hasn't been here. I'll send my maid to check in his chamber. If that was all you were going to do, I would have done it myself. Luthbert hissed, interrupting his brother. Luthbert, you are in my kingdom. My home. Watch your tone. Harbeth's own tone grew dangerous, and the prince backed down, uttering a half-growled, Apologies, my king. Then Harbeth called one of his maids over, telling her softly to check into his jester's whereabouts and asking her to tell him to see the king and then to attend to his duties once more.
Hello there, my cute little beans. Welcome to the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed your stay. If you are privy to my last four episodes, then you know that I love and support you fiends. No matter which gender or sexual identity that you identify with. If you were privy to my last four episodes and were not aware of this, then I have not properly articulated my thoughts. There... (laughs) Let's be honest, there are a lot of things going on in the world right now. All the way from protests to an entire three-year stack of global pancake madness. I know a lot of storytelling podcasters that I listen to often refrain from including politics in their shows, and I get it. We get enough politics out in the real world, and sometimes we all need an escape from that. So I'll try to make this message quick. As our world suffers through absolute chaos, please know that there is hope. And it is us. We are the hope. But that can only take us so far. I'm not a big podcast. I literally only do this show on my weekends and whenever I have a couple of hours free, which is why there are so few episodes. But my point is, uh, whatever you're going through right now, no matter when you're listening to this, I need you to know that there is hope. You're an absolute fiend. And you have all of the power. Just remember that. Now, please, giggle at some outtakes and enjoy the rest of your thing. It's new. It's snoothing. It's very snoothing. Snoo. God, you have a loud thing there, don't you? Go be loud elsewhere. You fuck. When the tea was finished brewing, he set it on the bar in front of Berthy. Berthy. I am so glad I learned how to speak as a child. <laughs> Oof. <sighs> Peanut butter. In comparison to his harsh, 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 harsh. In com. <sighs> We're surveyed with an angry. Angy. The prince is a little angies today. <sighs> But as the days went on, and the prince began to demand new and st- Bitch, do you mind? <laughs>